Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. And no preamble. We have to get going. We have a lot to do. Let's just get right to it. This is too important. <laughs> it's too important to do our usual 48 minutes of uh, nonsense preamble and banter. We have a huge topic today. We have to jump right in, introduce our guests, and let's start discussing this very important topic. You are 100% right. We do not have time for anything else. We have with us author and podcaster Stefan Fatsis. Stefan, welcome. What's up, guys? Doing great. We have my dear friend, director Jonathan Hawk. John, welcome. Thank you, Joe. Hi, Mike. Hello. How are you? Nice to meet you. Let's get going. We cannot wait any longer. We have to start discussing this. <laughs> and the reason that uh, Stefan and John are with us is Stefan and John are uh, largely responsible for the extraordinary name of the year bracket which has been going on now for how long guys 1983 wow oh that's crazy that's insane that's that's even longer than this podcast that is insane yeah it wasn't a bracket initially it was a bunch of names and at the end of the you know of sophomore year junior year senior year whatever it was yeah it was sophomore junior senior year we picked a winner and then it evolved over time as these things do and i think it was the late 1990s we turned it into a bracket because we had were accumulating so many submissions every year and then at some point at the dawn of the internet age you know mid 2000s uh I decided to put the thing online. Yes. Okay. So been about a bracket for about 20 years. Do tell us real quick. Cause Mike is, I mean, Mike's ready to go. So we don't have time for a whole lot of background here real quick. How did this whole thing start? Go ahead, Stefan. You, you're, you're the historian. All right. Um, it started when one of our friends, Mark Handelman, better known as Zeke, and there is a Zeke in this year's bracket, uh, started just putting names that he thought were funny on a dorm room door. Uh, what were some of the early ones, John? Moses Gunn was the Moses first. Moses Gunn was the very first. That's right. <laughs> sure. Moses Gunn. Um, some other earlies, I believe, were... Dexter Manley, you know, sounded funny at the time. Baskerville Holmes, legend. And I think we picked Hector Camacho because of his middle name. Hector Macho Camacho was the very Hector first Macho name of Camacho the year. Was the, the first and the first name of the year controversy. So uh, I'll get to the controversy in a second. So it sounds like you had very poor research back in those days. You just basically were going off the top of your head of who, like what, or like, w- or watching football games and then just writing down names of people that were funny. That was pretty yeah. much it. Well, yeah. and, and, and Alma Bone was an early one. She she was a, a classmate or a, a student activist or something at school, and who was in a headline, and she got in. Mm-hmm. And that, it, it did quickly. Yeah, so- we did definitely hone our skills very quickly. Uh, we expanded the resources, the, the newspaper, the phone book. Uh, when we were undergrads, this is in Philly at Penn, um, the summer of 1985, the, there was the move bombing. The entire Africa family was involved in that. They were involved in that move organization. Birdie Africa, I believe, was nominated that year. Um, sadly, um, but you know, you find your you find your names where they where they come. You don't get to choose. So, a couple important pieces of information. The first that everyone needs to know is every one of these names is a real person. These are not made up. These are these are names that people send to you. They can email them to you. They're, if you follow um, on the Twitter handle, which is where you vote, 
which is uh, N O T Y Turney. Um, you can, there's also a, a, an email address where for in the future, people can send you the names of real people, but they're all verifiable, real names of actual human beings. That's the first thing. The second thing is the tournament, uh, bracket this year is being hosted at unnamed temporary sports blog.com, <laughs> uh, which if you don't know about it, you should, it's, uh, some excellent, um, bloggers and, and writers, cultural writers and sports writers who used to write at a different site that I'm not even going to mention because of not what's happened to it. <laughs> but now they occasionally do essentially what amounts to a pop-up blog uh, at unnamed temporary sports That's where you can find the, uh, the tournament this year and all the names enough nonsense. We have to start dis- uh, discussing the bracket this year. Mike, I do uh, just want to add, by the way, I do just want to add Mike that the unnamed temporary sports blogs pop up ends or ended on Friday of this when is let me ask let me take a pause there when is when are you posting this uh tomorrow probably tomorrow, right? Okay. all right so <laughs> yeah, let me let me possible, just let me just back up and go three two one because that's what we do in radio we say three two one mike you know great. all of this is going in by the way literally everything <laughs> you just okay great thank you <laughs> terrific yeah uh the unnamed temporary sports blog pop-up ended on friday so we'll be on twitter and maybe if we get our shit together we will have our own website uh restored soon Nice. Gotcha. All right, but we're going to N-O-T-Y Turney uh, on Twitter. That is really the, the best place for people to go. Is that right? Correct. Excellent. Excellent. All right, I'm going to just say up front, just as a starting point, because I know Mike wants to take this over immediately. Uh, best. The, this is the best bracket of names yet, I think. Wow. Interesting. I think. Ah. I, you know, I thought last year's was, was phenomenal, but... I don't know. I'm looking through this. The depth in this year's field is really, really strong. I don't know, Mike. There, there's definitely recency bias when it comes to name of the year. <laughs> no question. You always no want to believe that every year's bracket is the best bracket. I think. See, let me tell you what happens with with me every year when the bracket comes out. Which uh, even in a year where there is sports, which uh, there isn't <laughs> this year, but even in a year where there is sports, it's the most exciting day of my year. And here, what happens to me when I go through it, and uh, you may know this, but I have an obsession with goofy names. Like I, I've been, I, I've my whole life. Uh, it started when I became a Monty Python fan when I was a kid, sure. and they were they were crazy name aficionados. Um, but I've been obsessed with crazy names. I've written a bunch of crazy names into a bunch of TV shows I worked on. Blah blah blah. But what happens to me is I start reading through it, and I'm just so happy, and I'm giddy. And I'm, I'm enjoying them. And I go through the first bracket, the first 16 names, and it's always wonderful. And I go through the next 16. And then I hit what I would call the equivalent of a runner's high around, <laughs> around the middle of the third chunk of 16. And well, like, I once just, you get to the dragon wagon regional. Yes. yes. Once you're in the, like the five seed of the dragon wagon regional, you, I, I just, I, it's something overtakes me and I can't stop giggling and every one of them seems funnier than the last one and it's really like it's just such a gift that you give to the world that you do this every year i want to personally thank you on behalf of people who love silly names everywhere um but also i i just i it's impossible for me to judge which is the funniest because they all seem equally funny to me yes well and and that's exactly what gave birth to the bracket formation is that as uh as is often said, it's all about the matchups and to, to, to pick one out of a, 
you know, everyone is, is impossible and it just leads to fistfights. But Can I ask, oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. But, but once somebody on the committee, uh, Jerome, not Jerome fruit handler, but the, the Jerome, <laughs> uh, that, in, that inspired the love of Jerome fruit handler said, it's all, it's all about the matchups, you know, infinite cold pleasure is going to mean one thing against Learjet de la Cruz, but another against beanbag America. And, and <laughs> you, I mean, I mean, look, that's just a cliche. I mean, you, that has been said so many times already in the past. Um, but it's still 100% right. Like all like all cliches are. I have. So I have a personal preference, which I don't know if I've ever expressed to any anyone on this uh, podcast. My personal preference is not for the really ornate sort of Baroque you know, a uh, hundred syllable kind of names right. with lots of Z's and K's and Q's and stuff. I was very happy last, I think it was last year, was last year when Pope Thrower won? It was, yeah. 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 So yeah. last year the winner was Pope Thrower. <laughs> to me, that is the, a perfect silly name because a perfect silly name is a noun and a verb. I don't know why that's true, but like a noun and a verb lined up is to me always the funniest co- possible combination. And when Pope Thrower was, uh, when I saw Pope Thrower, I was like, well, there's your winner. And I, in my head, I didn't write it. I wish I had. I wish I had uh, written it down for it, posterity. Yeah. The way that like when Mel Kuyper Jr. correctly picks the like number 18 <laughs> overall pick to the Raiders or whatever, everyone goes back and look, like he called it. I wish I had done this. But when Pope Thrower won, I was really happy because there's always these extremely long hyphenated kind of crazy names, which are wonderful and great. But I think when you get down to the end, I think what you want is is elegance and sort of simplicity. And uh, like, for example, this year, um, Dr. Reason Machete is, uh, is, is one of my favorites. Now, it's not exactly a noun and a verb, but it's two nouns. And that's, <laughs> that's pretty, and, and he's a doctor or she, and, I don't even reason, know. Reason can be a verb. That's right. There you go. That's true. It's, that's true. <laughs> so, that's true. I have, you know, there's, there's some one, well, we should just get into this. We should just start talking yeah. about this year's names. You make an interesting point, Mike, because really the taxonomy of names is so diffuse and, and everybody, it really is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, you may like a Pope thrower. I, I myself prefer names that combine some sort of absurdity on both ends and have a little bit of fluidity, a little mellifluence. I mean, I was a big fan of Jim Bob Ghostkeeper, the 2018 name of the year. <laughs> and similarly, the 2017 winner, Kobe Buffalo Meat. They've both got <laughs> elements of them that surprise you. They shock you. Um, and they, they, and they roll off the tongue. Yes. Yeah. I like, I like the roll off the tongue was, I, I would make two other points real quick. Um, one is I'm not, I, sometimes the names are way too cute. Like, you know, like they'll, the, you can see the person has the last name and then they give a first name to, to sort of just, you know, basically blow up the last name. And it's almost like an inside joke between like the parents or something. I mean, it just seems a little, a little off to me. So those, those, I think I, I marked those down. And then the second ones that I marked down just for me, and I think Mike and I talked about this last year is some of the names are, are just, you know, on the little bit on the, I mean, I don't know what you would say, like on the naughty side or whatever. And, yeah. and that's right. fine, but it's, it's like cheap. It's like, it's like a cheap laugh. And I think it's in the, that, in, that, in the go the, ahead, John. The Nick doctrine. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's what there, there are several, 
formal doctrines. There's a dragon wagon doctrine, the going both ways doctrine and the Dick doctrine. <laughs> and uh, the Dick doctrine is, you know, that the, the true aficionados will not overpower or overpraise the Dick names because right. they're, they're so simple, but the people love Dick names. Right. So we have deliberately <laughs> over the years made an effort to reduce the number, the amount of dick in the bracket. I mean, then there's occasionally, you know, a dick surprise shows up and there's nothing you can do. You can't right. keep dick surprise down. Yeah. Like that's just undeniable as um, as a funny name. Right. Like it's it's a complete holistic thought. That's right. ex- <laughs> being expressed in two short words. And uh, you, right. I, I understand. I think you, you know, look, rules are made to be broken, right? So Dick Surprise comes along one year and you go, okay, I understand that generally speaking, we try to keep this uh, PG rated, but you can't. That's that's just undeniable. It's too good. I it's totally just get too that. good. Exactly. All right. Now, listen, th- the voting has already has already ended for the first round. And in fact, the second round ends today, right? Uh, tomorrow. We got oh, tomorrow. tomorrow. Okay, good. So, tomorrow, so but until I, Saturday morning, yeah. Until Saturday morning. I still think we should just go through every matchup from the original 64 and just talk about them. And um, I had one last question before we do that, which is how often do your seedings kind of uh, like bear fruit? In other words, how often do like how often does like, you know, 75 percent of the higher seeded, the better seeded names end up winning or is it completely random? I think it's completely random. I mean, but you know, the, the top seeds tend to do well, just like in the NCAAs. Um, but, you know, I've found over the years that, you know, we the way we do this is, you know, there's 400, we've been getting four or 500 submissions to name of the year at gmail.com every year. And then a core of our original group, which is about eight or nine guys, um, is now supplemented by some younger name of the year committee members. There was a bunch of kids at Northwestern who loved the name of the year, were totally obsessed. And then there was a year where I dropped the ball and we didn't do a bracket. And these kids put what? one out. Yeah, and it was like 2012 <laughs> or so. And the, the kids put one out on their own. And then the next year they did another one. I was like, what the fuck? Who are these guys? And I got in touch. And they were, of course, you know, one of them was like a journalist. The other was like, you know, worked and wanted to work in film. And they were like, oh my God, you guys run this? So we brought them in, and they do a lot of the a lot of the the, the legwork in terms of collating the names, finding links for all of the names to verify their 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 reality, and creating a spreadsheet. And then we get together. Until this year, we would get together at a um, at a designated spot in Tribeca and have a very long dinner in which we laugh a lot, and the waitress thinks we're crazy. I will I will pay you uh, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to attend that dinner next year. <laughs> You don't even have to do that much. <laughs> you want to join the committee? We are very open to new members. <laughs> All right, let's go, let's do this. Let's go well. through. Let's go, let's right. go through uh, starting with the Boltron Regional. Joe, why don't you run through the matchups for us? Yeah, well, let's let's go through it. Well, first of all, you know the way they do these things, like on uh, on uh, you know CBS or whatever, when they go through these things or ESPN, uh, they they pick out specific ones that that people get excited about like you know matchups that look like they're going to be great so i'll just run through it and then we can uh essentially uh choose which ones we're going to talk about great the one the 116 is uh, of course i mean everybody knows matt daniel squirrel is the one seed going up against kermit quisenberry uh as the 16 
mm-hmm. uh, both both fantastic. The two fifteen is Doctor Reason Machete uh, uh, versus uh, Kaiser Pontoon uh, is the is the fifteen. Seed. Yeah, I'm, I'm regretting this seed. Pontoon yeah, should have been much higher. This was th- bad. That is seating. a tough one. That's yeah. a tough one. I feel like Kaiser Pontoon is more of a you know, seven eight seed or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, like, definitely. But, um, definitely got mm-hmm. screwed in the seedings. Absolutely. Uh, the three. Uh, the, the three fourteen is uh, Dynamite Slappy. Uh, Dynamite spelled D H A N I M I T E. There's uh, no I. I think Waffle. isn't it just no I just Donmite. Yeah. Oh, it's Donmite. Don yeah. Don Might yeah. Slappy. Woman, woman's, woman's basketball player. Okay, yep. Don Might Slappy versus Waffles Natish. Uh, oh, see, I, I've been saying Natush in my head, like Lelouch. Oh, like I've, I've been saying Natish. Yeah. Yeah. Been saying that, I've been saying Natush. John, you want to... Yeah, uh, I'm a Natush guy. You're a Natush guy. Too. Right. No, we're split. Go I think way. he or he is much it's stronger a he. than Natush. It's, it's a, a he. he. It's a he. Yeah. And what's with the plural Waffles? Like, why? <laughs> we left this off the ballot, and I only discovered it yesterday when I was uh, when I was editing a post for the unnamed temporary sports blog. Um, Waffles' middle name is Pi. P I. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> well, that that moves Waffles up clearly, like from a 14 seed. If it's Waffles Pie, but this is like this is this is this is like ex parte communication. It's not on the ballot, uh, so I don't think we should. Yeah. Like, the jury should be instructed not to consider pie. That's true. No, That's right. Why? Why pluralize Waffles? This, I'll, I'll tell you why. I'll I'll tell you exactly why. We had a cat. My wife and I got two cats when, when we first moved in together, and we thought it would be funny to give one of them a very boring human name and one of them a very cutesy pet name. So their names were Pancakes and Kevin. Those are their those were our two cats' names. And and when and it was very important to us that the cat be pancakes plural. Yes. And and anytime anyone would refer to, oh, there's pancake, we would like not without any good humor, we would just go, it's pancakes. Like we would do like, it was like upsetting to us that you would think it was a, a singular. I totally get why waffles, waffles, not touches yeah. parents went plural instead of singular. I think it's a, I think yeah, it's yeah. a stronger move. And waffles comes from a long line of good names. We had cherries, waffles, tennis a few years ago. And sure. speaking, speaking of your cat, Mike, there was a Joe Spancake who I was really very <laughs> fond of in one of the tournaments. All right, the four thirteen is really one of my favorites. It's I think very underrated. You got Mystical McGee versus Symmetric Strong. I just think those are both just very good names. Alliteration is nice. Yeah, yeah. I like alliteration. I like alliteration. Can take a name into the stratosphere, like No J Nimson. Yeah, (laughs) right, right, right. I mean, and Shula Hula was another one with some great sports. From the golden age of rhyming in the mid nineties. Yeah, there was a golden age of rhyming. Clinton. We had Honka Monka. We had Shango Hango. Yeah. (laughs) All right. The five twelve is IKEA Perrier uh, versus Gravity Goldberg, which I think is a classic five twelve. That's pretty good. Uh, That is a good matchup. Yeah, I I don't love Gravity Goldberg. Gravity Goldberg is so good. All right, well, let, let me just run through the rest. Six is, uh, six eleven is, and I don't even know it. So is it Jan it's, six eleven? It's Jan. Jan six eleven. 
the 11th. It's yeah, not we've the got a, the, the, there's a post, there'll be a post up on, uh, on the unnamed temporary sports blog explaining the lineage, the patrilineage of Jan six, <laughs> the 11th. He's a Dutch art collector. Jan six, the first was painted by Rembrandt. Wow. Fantastic. There was an amazing, Jan- amazing, uh, New York times magazine story about Jan six, the 11th last year, written by Russell Shorto, which I recommend. You now, know Jan six the ninth wanted to stop that thing. <laughs> if it's if if Jan six the eleventh, this is a long shot. But if Jan six the eleventh goes all the way in the tournament, and I know it's a long shot, but if he does, mm-hmm. I believe, and I'm not a historian, but I believe that will mark the first time that one single family has had both a person in it painted by Rembrandt and who won the name of the year tournament. I That's think that would be a first. We will have to check that, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Our <laughs> are very high. Get the research department on it, but I, I am ninety-four percent sure yeah. that that would be a first if that was happened. Taco BM Monster. Uh, you'd have to look hard at Taco BM Monster. Also <laughs> Dutch. Also Dutch. Also Dutch. Yeah. Okay. So it's not impossible that I'm wrong. I could be wrong. There might have been someone who both had a fi- an ancestor painted by Rembrandt, who then all then later that same family went into went on to win the name of the year bracket. Okay, sure, but look, sure. I'm just putting it out there. Like we should look into it. Yes, and see if it's ever happened before. Mm-hmm. Jan six the eleventh has to be Travatka Lundy in the first round to 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 keep going, and uh, you know that's it's that's not tough. A given. Not a given. Not a given. Seven ten is uh, the rhyming uh, one. Apparently, Gennaro Bizarro. Versus Rod Gods, mm-hmm. um, in a in a very good one. The uh, eight nine in this uh, bracket is Flolo against Hannah Moody Goo, <laughs> which is hyphenated. Important <laughs> is, to note: hyphenated. Moody, hyphenated. Goo. Moody Goo is hyphenated. Hannah Moody Goo uh, versus Flolo in the eight nine. All right, just as we go through it quickly, uh, who, who do you like in this bracket, Mike? Well, the highlight, the the matchup I wanted to highlight was Doctor Reason Machete against Kaiser Pontoon, which is the two fifteen. Both because Kaiser Pontoon is is way too low in yeah. this bracket. Kaiser Pontoon is a wonderful name, uh, and that that I think, like I said, I think that's more of a seven eight seed. But Doctor Reason Machete is my is I think my favorite name, and it's my favorite name because it's Doctor Reason Machete sounds like the concept of Occam's Razor went to grad school, like it's. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a, it's a reason machete. It's like, I, it's not, I'm not going to take a little razor and slice away the less likely um, outcomes or explanations for something like Occam's razor does. No, I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to level up. Now I'm a reason machete. Now I take my machete and I, and I just absolutely hack through all bad explanations for a certain situation. And what I'm left with is reason. We could have a new doctrine being born right here, the the uh, corollary to Occam's razor, the reason machete. Which the reason is machete. That's right. Can I just can I now just read from Dr. Reason Machete's uh, profile? Yes. Of course his, you can. his bio page at the University of Reading in England. Areas yes. of interest. At the heart of my research is an earnest desire to bridge the gap between fact and fiction and highlight the role of model error in the forecasting of nonlinear symptoms, systems, systems. Of course that's what he wants to do. He's a goddamn reason machete. (laughs) 
I, the reason machete doctrine is I love it. And, and so, and uh, it's going to have, it's going to have its own Wikipedia page by the end of this podcast. Oh, I would yeah. hope. And, I would and, hope. And I think the reason machete doctrine points us back to gravity Goldberg, which is a very simple <laughs> name, but somehow very satisfying to say it conjures feelings of Murray Goldberg, which we all love. Sure. And then the, completely random scientific element, something you learn in school, gravity, to (laughs) put together with Murray Goldberg. And it just, it creates this, this fog of wonder and joy. Right. And I think none of us, none of us would complain if gravity, because they're on the opposite side of the bracket, gravity faced reason in the uh, regional final. I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be somehow fitting. It's a, it would be an all like a sort of, um, this is the, the scientific final four entrant. That's like, <laughs> you would it'd be like, a, we need one, one person to represent the concept of science and logic and reason. And it's either gravity Goldberg or Dr. Reason machete. <laughs> yeah. I will note that gravity Goldberg, as things currently stand is facing mystical McGee in the second round. So Ooh. mysticism, gravity, yeah. Well, nice this contrast gravity there. against this mystical is very good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good work by you two to to set this up so that you get a a, a like a sort of faith versus um <laughs> versus uh, logic. <laughs> All right, we're gonna, lose, we're gonna lose John. John has to go in like two minutes, so let's try to get through the uh, sit hole regional. All right, let's go through it really quick. All right, so in the uh, in the sit hole region, the one sixteen is Bluebell Iconoclastes. There you yeah. go. Maybe versus Derek Grunfelder McCrank. Sorry, which sounds like a name that Mike would have made up for Parks and Rec. That is a very Parks and Recy name, yeah, no question. It, it is, but it's a little long for for Mike, I think. Yeah, and yeah. in in the comedy writer world, um, mix are uh, in names are considered hacky a little bit. Like it's like an it's like like in McGee. That's why I don't love Mystical McGee. Mm-hmm. It's because like McGee and like Mick anything are sort of like crutches when you're coming up with silly uh, names. So sure. I tend to like. It's nothing against the Irish or the Scottish. They're fine peoples. I just, in the comedy writer world, it's a way, it's a kind of a hacky move to put a MC or MAC before a last name. So I'm, I'm, I have a personal bias against Derek Grunfelder is a wonderful name that wouldn't qualify for the bracket because it's not quite silly enough, but I would have absolutely named someone Derek Grunfelder. That's a great name. Would you, but you would not have named somebody Derek McCrank. No, would not have gone McCrank or yeah. McGee or McGee or anything like that. What about right. McWeenie? All of McWeenie was a classic. <laughs> That's a again like a little too I get on the, the nose. Yeah, it's on the nose. Yeah, like uh, I I I prefer the less um the less sort of ornate ones. But anyway, keep going. Okay. Sorry. Well, we got another Mick. We got uh, Rod McQuality is the two seed facing Silky Carlo in the uh, in the uh, the next round. Right. In the third, the three fourteen is. Fat John Cake versus Helga Radio, both excellent names, I think. I'm going to jump in here and say why I hate Fat John Cake, because it's an Albanian name. It's not pronounced Fat John Cake. I have a bias against the foreign names. It's probably Fahon Cock or something. Or Well, that would be pretty good, too. But Fahon <laughs> Ake or something. I don't know. Fahon Cock. 
<laughs> I'd be a be better. Let's just pronounce it that way. <laughs> you just improved it. You, you took it from a three seed to a one seed. <laughs> the 413 is Cocaine Mothershed versus Destiny Guns. Destiny Guns, excellent, by the way. That's the best, by the to me, that's the best matchup in the bracket. Yeah, that's a that's a terrific matchup. Cocaine is K-O-K-A-I-N, by yes, the way, it is. which makes it even better. But cocaine mothershed <laughs> and destiny guns are two absolute uh, prime A plus names. Yes. 512 is Dr. Flounce Caver versus Zebulon Vermilion. Wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, Zebulon in general is a uh, uh, is a f- uh, delightful. And if you're okay. and if you're a fan of, and if you're a fan of apostrophes, Flounce has one right in the middle there between the N and the S. Yes. That's right. The uh, six eleven is Mickey Mental uh, versus, <laughs> which is I think great, versus Rain Schwinghammer. Great. Okay. Uh, the seven ten is Lowell Snorf the third, which I love. Versus Perfecto Cuervo. I think that's a great matchup a as well. Too, yeah. And the 8-9 is Smoky Bacon. Smoky spelled with an I versus Chadfield Clapsaddle. All right. <laughs> so, John, we're going to lose you here in a minute. What do you like in this bracket? Well, you know, I, I love Dr. Flounsay Caver because sure. of just the poetry of it, but also the meaningless apostrophe to me carries a lot of weight. <laughs> When you have an apostrophe where where it is not needed, right? <laughs> what, what, what letter is supposed to be in there? What yeah. is missing? <laughs> it's it, pronounced flonose. Actually, <laughs> well, that so so uh, and of course, Mickey Mental is oh. in the No J Nimson world. Yeah. <laughs> that you will never forget Mickey Mental. You know, we might forget. Robespierre Bolivar sure. or Gennaro or Bizarro, <laughs> but we'll never forget Mickey Mental. Mickey Mental is like in a like an old Looney Tunes cartoon. They would have had a, a car, like a cartoon yes. dog that looked like Mickey Mantle, who was like crazy, and they and his name was Mickey Mantle. Well, you know, like that's where Yogi Bear came from. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. Mickey Mental, I, I, I mean, I got to tell you, Mickey Mental is my pick in this in this in this bracket. I love really. Mickey That's yeah, I interesting. Wrote, I wrote a I piece for I wrote a piece for the unnamed temporary sports blog that was largely about Jim Bowden and a new biography by uh, by Mitch Nathanson um, that's going to be coming out in a couple weeks and Bowden's relationship with Mantle. And then I transition because this is what we do into the name of the year bracket at the end of the post. Um, and, and I am deeply, deeply saddened that Mickey Mantle was taken out in the first round by Rain oh. Schwinghammer. I mean, Rain Schwinghammer is a bad her. name. Rain Schwinghammer is a bad name. I mean, yeah. that's. I mean, on this level. I mean, of course, it's like the best name you'll ever meet personally. But when you get to this kind of high level. I just think Ray yeah. Schwinghammer. And know. John, John, I think you'll you'll agree with me here that the backstory matters sometimes. And Mickey Mental is a football coach. He comes from a <laughs> line of athletes. His father was like a high school star. I'm guessing in like the '60s when Mickey Mantle was playing center field for the Yankees. See, that's the thing. That's the reason I can't quite totally get behind names like Mickey Mantle is because. Usually the backstory is it's intentional, right? Yeah, Usually yeah. the backstory is their last name is approximate to uh, to some famous person's last no, name. No, no, no. His father was named Mick. 
Oh, okay. We're in a, right. junior, we're in a junior situation. We're, we're in a, a junior situation. We're in a junior situation. Yeah, he doesn't uh, use the junior. junior is even better. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. use the junior, but uh, but all I right. What do you like, Mike? Who's your pick in this in this in this uh, bracket here? Okay, so my I said the best matchup was Cocaine Mothershed versus Destiny Guns. I do think that's true. However, Lowell Snorf the Third. <laughs> And Perfecto Cuervo is running very close behind. Lowell Snorf is, I wouldn't do the third because, again, in the comedy world, adding a, adding a thing at the end, like a, the, the 15th or whatever, is a little bit hacky. <laughs> but Lowell Snorf is 1,000% a name. I'm obsessed with Fs in names, and SNs are always good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, the character Toby Flenderson on The Office was named Toby Flenderson because I... I was left in charge insanely of naming him. Uh, he, his name was Toby. And they said, what you have to come up with the last name. And I was like, okay, watch this. And I just took the name Henderson and changed the first, changed the H to an FL. And, and then it was on TV for 201 episodes. Uh, so F's are great. I think Lowell Snorf is a, a delightful name. Delightful. And Perfe- Perfecto Cuervo is both. It both sounds like the name of a, uh, a kind of alcohol you could yes, buy right. um, on on Cinco de Mayo, but also it sounds like the name that like Louis Tiant would have given his curveball, <laughs> you know. And, and I I like there's something so wonderful about like one a, a, a name that like conjures multiple things, like yeah. that it it sends your brain in a bunch of different directions. So I, I can't remember. Uh, you we, Perfecto Cuervo won that first round matchup, right? So that's Lowell Snorf is yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. See, that's a shame. I think Lo- Lowell Snorf was never going to win this thing, but Lowell Snorf to me was like the the Cinderella for me. Yes. It was like the Cinderella seed that you 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 know snuck in one somehow won its conference tourney, snuck in <laughs> into the into like a, a fifteen seed, and and you're kind of pulling for it a little bit. I wish Lowell Snorf had gone further, but I still think um, the overall the best complete matchup is cocaine mothershed destiny guns i i cocaine mothershed won that correct oh yeah yeah cocaine mothershed won that go ahead go ahead no i was gonna say destiny guns um that might be your that might be the toughest first round loss really yeah destiny guns is a terrific name it's a great name yeah i think we're looking at uh uh uh, cocaine mothershed blue bell iconoclasties uh semi-final in the region and the bottom half of that that of that bracket is wide open. I think Perfecto Cuervo <laughs> out of the ten or Rod McQuality could uh, could do some damage. Yeah, well, that's that's good. All right, John, have we lost you? Time for me to bid you all a Fidelio Tata. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John. Uh, you've done great work as always, and we'll Thank keep you, talking Mike. about this for the next uh, two to four hours. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, if, if, by the way, if you just want to check back in, we'll probably still be here talking about this. So uh, Maybe. No, no problem. Thanks, Thanks John. Good. See you, John. All right, now that we've lost John, we uh, we we go on. I mean, we don't stop. Uh, so we go to the Dragon Wagon Regional, right? Don't you think that's next? That is the correct Yep, that's next. Yes. Yep. yep. All right, the 116 in the Dragon Wagon. Uh, the one seed is Infinite Culcleasure. How are we pronouncing that? What Cul- do we think? Culcleasure. Culcleasure, yeah. Infinite cult pleasure versus Katie Smirka Duffy Fudd with Smirka having no, nothing between the M and the R and a hyphen between Smirka and Duffy. All right, Katie Smirka Duffy was a college basketball star in the 90s. She played for Georgetown. Okay. And went on to marry someone named Fudd. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's FUD, F-U-D-D, F-U-D-D. Like Elmer, yeah. Like Elmer, yeah. You know, all right, I have nothing to say about that. All right, number two, the 215 seed uh, is Nazareth Pantaloni Third. Which is a great name. Versus Steve Cakebread, which is also a great name. Wonderful. Wonderful name. Elegance. That's what I'm talking about, man. Elegance, simplicity, just straightforward. To... And the contrast, the contrast between the routine first name, the common first name, Excellent. and something Excellent. that just knocks you over for the for the surname. Exactly and also, right. a- another thing I love is that um, cake and bread are so similar. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> they're yet, so close. And yet so different. And it's absolutely different, but they're so close to each other. So when you just say cake bread, it's just, it's magic. It creates well, magic. And and I love that Steve Cake Bread's uh, parents, they didn't try to play around. They just yep. were like, oh, family name, Steve. Steve. Yeah. Steve. yeah. Steve's That's a great. good name. Third, the 314 is uh, Carmelo Mustachio versus Corvassier. Curvassier Dingle. There you go. Is that is that what we're going to go with? Curvassier That's, Dingle. Oh yeah. Curvassier is a is a brand of extremely fancy uh, brandy. Okay. Um. Yeah. Popular dingle. in the hip hop community, and Dingle <laughs> is the word Dingle. <laughs> not, not, our, not our first Curvassier, by the way. We had uh, Curvassier Wontavius Richardson. A couple of years ago, I think. Oh, maybe that's why Curvassier is a 14. That's a low seed for Curvassier. Uh, that, I will let you behind. I'll let you peek behind the noty curtain. And there was a lot of debate about this. The younger guys did not like Curvassier Dingle even making the field. And I lobbied hard to wow. get him back in. Uh, Curvassier Dingle, a, a college football player who had some trouble up at Marist, which is how he got in the news. Yeah, I mean, Curvassier is a it, like w- when I was on Saturday Night Live, there was a character. Tim Meadows did a character called the Ladies Man, and he was always drinking Curvassier. It was like a, it was like a sort of a, a staple of like late '90s, early 2000s, like hip hop, and and so like it is, it's less kind of out of the blue than you might right. think it is if right. you if you're not familiar with that aspect of American culture from 25 years ago. Curvassier <laughs> Dingle versus Carmelo Mustachio. All right. Uh, the four thirteen. What do we got? Robespierre, uh, Bolivar versus Zeke Biggers. All fantastic! Right. Yep. Just fan- both, a fantastic, both. solid, solid matchup. Absolutely, both excellent. Number five, Doctor Welcome Bender, which is really <laughs> good because that is one where the doctor is crucial. Welcome Bender is not getting into this field. But Dr. Welcome Bender is. I would say Welcome Bender is like borderline. Like you talk about it. I'm yeah. not sure he gets oh. in, but yeah. Is Dr. Welcome Bender a man or a woman? Let's check. <laughs> Keep talking amongst yourselves. In the meantime, I will tell you that Dr. Welcome Bender is playing Sovereign Valentine in uh, in the round, which is also an excellent 512, I think. Wonderful 512 matchup here. Dr. Welcome Bender is the Harold T. White Professor of Biological Chemistry and Molecular Pharmacology at the Harvard Medical School. I thought that was right. I that knew, was, I yeah. did know that, yes. I did, now, <laughs> I I, now it's all coming back to me. That's, <laughs> I, I knew that. The focus of right. our lab <laughs> is the uh, bithorax complex in the fruit fly. Right, well, yeah, I know. Um, number the six eleven is Billy Jack Buzzard. Oh, love that! Versus Seaborn Attaway. Seaborn Attaway versus Billy Jack Buzzard. I think it's important to note that the J in Billy Jack is is lowercase 
Right. Um, this is it a, is. Yeah. It's one word. It's, it's one word. One word. It's Billy a, Jack Buzzard. Yeah, yeah. It's a portmanteau. Billy Jack Buzzard's good. That's really good. All right. Seven uh, ten is Learjet de la Cruz versus Baron Cash Dollar. This was a hard one. That's that's so difficult. And then the eight nine is Vanilla Bean, uh, Bean spelled like Billy Bean, and uh, versus Eileen Strong Oboy. Eileen <laughs> <laughs> Strong Oboy with the O uh, hyphen B. And uh, vanilla bean. All right, Mike, what are you seeing in this bracket? So there's a couple things I want to highlight here. I actually think this is the weakest bracket. Um, I, I the, there's there's some there's some good matchups. There's some strong names, um, but I don't see like the 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 truly great yeah. like home run no, matchup in the no first squirrel. round. There's no squirrel in this bracket. Yeah, so I, there's a couple of things I'd like to highlight, though. One of them is Dr. Welcome Bender is wonderful, and it's, <laughs> to me, and it's wonderful for a very specific reason. A bender, uh, in, in common parlance, is when you go on a, a crazy drinking run, right. right? You're just, you're drinking and you're carousing, or you're on a bender of gambling or whatever. But when you add welcome to it, you're like, well, now, <laughs> hold on. It's, it, yes, it was a bender, but it was a welcome bender. Like it was like a bender we needed somehow. Yeah. And that, that's, that's what really takes that name over the top for me is that it's a, it's a, it's, you don't, it doesn't strike you at first, but when you think about it, it's like, what are the situations in which we might find ourselves on a welcome bender, yeah. a bender that is beneficial to us? You Would know? you not say that when we are finally out of isolation, we will all be looking for a welcome bender? I think, think that's a perfect example. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. I think that like a, if going on a welcome sports bender, for example, yes, where we're yes. where we watch eleven uh, NBA <laughs> playoff games over the course of two days or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That would be a welcome bender. So yeah, I, I yeah. I'm fond of that. The other, the other one besides Steve Cake, Cake Bread, we've all, all already talked about that. Uh, the the only other one that I really wanted to talk about here was Katie Smirka Duffy Fudd because, <laughs> again, it's a little ornate for me, and it is the middle Smirka and Duffy are hyphenated. But if you, but it's it's one of those names where the sum, the total is greater than the sum of its parts somehow. Like if you look at each individual name, you're like Katie, fine. Smirka Duffy, that's funny. Fud, okay, like Elmer Fudd. But if you say the whole thing together, Katie Smirky, Katie Smirka Duffy Fudd, somehow like that, like it, it's better when you when you when it's in its totality than when you look at it as its individual parts. It's it was a one sixteen matchup and it lost to Infinite Cole Pleasure, um, so doesn't matter anyway. But I think uh, that that was a really good choice for the bracket. I want to commend uh, John and Stephen because it's. It's a uh, and the committee. I want to commend the committee, the committee really. because uh, uh, it it really. It, I'm I'm proud and happy to see it sneak in there at a 16 seat. Yeah, she I really like she really rolls beautifully. There's a cadence to to smirk a Duffy Fud that is. The- I, and I and I like your and I like your your sort of sense. You know what they're like? They're like the Oak. It's like the Oakland A's of names. Like individually, eh, but you put them together. Wow, you know, yeah. Yeah. suddenly. Like Katie Smirka Duffy Fudd's OPS was like a a uh, an on base heavy like seven ninety, yeah, and Billy yeah. Billy Bean was like, I know that you don't think this is a flashy pickup, but like we're like we're gonna moneyball this, and like that's gonna give us thirty more points of OPS this year than we had last year with whoever was in that position. I know I know this wasn't the strongest region, but there were a couple things in here that really 
personally meant a lot to me. Learjet de la Cruz is a youth sure. Scrabble player in the Philippines. <laughs> Fantastic. And listeners Excellent. of the podcast may know that I wrote a book called Word Freak and I'm a Scrabble player. He goes by Jet Lear. Also. <laughs> Fantastic. Wow. Is Jet Lear. And wow. uh, in the... Uh, in a similar vein, this is just a little personal story about how name of the year can sort of poison your brain. I was playing Scrabble the other day and I had the letters A T A W A Y and a blank on my rack. And I set up Attaway and I thought, oh my God, I'm going to play Attaway. This is awesome. And then I realized, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's Seaborn Attaway. That away <laughs> is a word, but Attaway is just a name. <laughs> Um, side, br- brief aside, by the way, I followed uh, your story on tw- on Twitter about your daughter, right? Who is yeah. who had an un. If you haven't seen this story yet, um, had an unbelievable three round miraculous comeback in a youth Scrabble tournament uh, that is absolutely worth following. You can follow the blow by blow. Um, <laughs> Thanks, uh, what's your Twitter? What's your Twitter handle? At Stefan Fatsis. At Stefan Fatsis makes sense. Um, so yeah, go to at Stefan Fatsis, look back a couple of days and you'll see a, an incredible, uh, a miracle comeback, uh, for, uh, for Stefan's daughter in a youth Scrabble tournament that yeah, was, was awesome. delightful. Yeah, I did. Uh, I ran a replacement tournament for the national championship, which was canceled. My daughter's, uh, so it was a bunch of, it was about 40 high school kids playing online against each other. It was great. It's a, I should, I should, I guess I should warn you too, that if you are a, a an adult human, um, and you follow and you go back and read that story, be prepared to feel very bad about yourself because you'll realize that there are literally hundreds and thousands of, of um, high school kids who are better at Scrabble than you are. Oh, yeah, not even close. <laughs> or at least dozens, yeah. Yeah, no, no, there are hundreds, thousands. Stefan, is it true? I, I think I just saw this when I was uh, when I was putting this together. You proposed to your wife on, via Scrabble, is that correct? <laughs> I did. I pulled some. I had set up some Scrabble tiles and put a couple of racks in my uh, my backpack and pulled them out and put them on the table. And I made her anagram. We will and will you? Sorry, and marry me. Which both have seven letters, so it was perfect. Aww. Wow. Very sweet. Very sweet. That's like a that's a all time nerd Hall of Fame marriage proposal. <laughs> first, <laughs> gotta be. first first ballot. First battle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's got to be. That's got to be. All right. Uh, final bracket is the uh, final regional, I guess, is the Crotch Tangle Regional. Um, so let's just go through the number one 16. Beanbag America is is your number one seed versus Conley, or is it Confay? It's Conley. Conley, Conley Wolfswinkle. Conley. Yeah, Conley Wolf's Confay would be better. Conley Wolfswinkle. All right, so that's your one sixteen. Pretty, pretty strong. Pretty strong one sixteen. Beanbag America is a good, a good one seed. Very you could, good you could, one. You can imagine Beanbag America winning the whole thing. Yes, yeah. Beanbag America, and awesome. totally legit, named at birth, has posted about it on the internet. Library, children's librarian in Brooklyn, male. Wow, wow. All right, the uh, two fifteen, the coldest Crawford. The America has a K, by the way. Oh yeah, that's true. Yes, it does. Do, it beat yeah, back no, America. No, no. That is a, that is an important factor. Yeah, yeah. All right, the two fifteen DeColdest Crawford versus Glee Van Loon. All right, so DeColdest Crawford, DeColdest. That's uh, that's I like that name. 
That's one word, lowercase c in the coldest. Football player, <laughs> football player. Yeah. Glee Van Loon coming out of the uh, Dutch qualifying along with Jan 6, the 11th. Okay, very good. <laughs> the... <laughs> Let's just make a mental note right now to go back and look at Glee Van Loon's family ancestry to see if anyone was ever painted by Rembrandt. <laughs> that is important. Very important to go back. Uh, all right. So what we got? Number three seed is what? Jimadaya Scrogum. Am I right? Versus Dr. Delight Champagne. I'm sorry, Mike. Dr. Delight Champagne. You're not going to say something? No, I'm just, that's a good 314. Let's keep going. Let's move through it. Four, four, uh, 13 is, uh, what is this? Drew Watermolen? Mm -hmm. Yep. Drew Watermolen, but Drew is spelled D-R-E-U-X. He's Cajun, apparently, I guess. And watermelon is watermelon, but with an O instead of, uh, you know, it's actually not exactly, but yeah, it's watermelon versus <laughs> Dudley Onderdonk. Wonderful. Dudley Onderdonk is wonderful. Five, 12 is Jimbertson Vapor is the five seed. <laughs> I just realized this is a very Dutch heavy bracket region. Jim- <laughs> Jimbertson Jim- is from Curacao. Sure. Oh. Soccer player. Vapor. Ball player? Soccer player. Oh, on, soccer. on the, the Curacao national team. Played in the uh, CONCACAF Gold Cup last summer. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Jimbertson Vapor is the five. Zorro Maplestone is the 12. This is where, this is exactly where the runner's high hits me. And I just, <laughs> I, just <laughs> I just find every one of these delightful. Uh, it's literally right now. It's when you said Jimberson Vapor that I, I was like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and Zorro Maplestone just keeps it going right there. Yeah. All right. The 611 is Guquincy McKinstry. That's Guquincy, <laughs> G-A with the hyphen, Quincy McKinstry. Apostrophe, not a hyphen, because we've had hyphens. I'm sorry. You're right. Not a, not a hyphen, apostrophe, versus Stetson President. <laughs> no. Is this the Stetson president? Is that is that actually true or no? The president no, of Stetson? You, <laughs> no, yeah. I'm joking. Oh, um, if I... Were the president. If he were the president of anything. If he were Stetson no. president, Stetson president? I'm saying, saying if your name is Stetson president and then you become the president of Stetson, right. that would be a story. Then newspapers would, would refer to you as Stetson president, <laughs> Stetson president. Right. Or or President Stetson, President, parentheses, Stetson, and parentheses. <laughs> All right. Think, yeah. The 710 I, is Rember, Rembertus Beerapot. Beerpoot. Beerpoot. Beerpoot, yes. <laughs> well, sure. Rembertus Beerpoot versus Green Wicks Unthank. <laughs> Green, green wicks on thank and then the eight nine uh to wrap this thing up adonis expose versus adolphus Hailstork. so Fantastic. there's your in, by the way it's it's not it's not a coincidence that we're laughing more this is the best bracket it's the best bracket it's, this yeah. is definitely the most diverse it sort of hits all of the onomastic criteria all of the different categories <laughs> Yeah. Um, names that sound like they're made up, names that sound like they might be foreign, names that sound totally absurd, like that Mike may have invented. Um, yep. You got some, you got some punctuation. Yeah. You've got some great 
contrast, first name, last name. This is a very solid representative. Region. Yeah, you have people with doctorates. I mean, you have the yeah, whole. You've got a doctor. Yep, yep, yep. There's All a right. lot. To, there's a lot to talk about here. I mean, <laughs> I, I there's some there's some just wonderful names like Adolphus Hale Stork is great. Anytime there's a, a sort of compound last name mm-hmm. that's just two nouns, it's always wonderful. Wonderful. Um, Jimberson Vapor is is just delightful. That <laughs> that one really gets me for some reason. Drew Watermolen is the is the first example in this bracket of one of my favorite kinds of names, which is you take a word and just transpose two letters. Like that is yeah. that is so funny to me for some reason. Just it's watermelon, but just the e and the o are 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 switched and. Yeah. And, and then that the first name is just spelled. It's a conventional first name spelled differently, which spelled is spelled nice weirdly. Too. Yeah. And, but I love that watermelon is great because it's not, that means it wasn't a parent making a choice. Right. It's just like that. It's maybe it was Ellis Island. Who knows? Maybe it was just, it's, it's a Dutch name or a German name or whatever, but it's so funny to take a boring noun and transpose two letters. It's really wonderful. And then that, that matchup is with Dudley Onderdonk, which is just a solid, goofy name. But I, I think there's two there's two things in the bottom half of the bracket I want to talk about. The first is Stetson President, which we've already talked about. But I love it because um, it's a it's a different kind of name again. Going back to how diverse this bracket is, where it's like it it has the cadence of a familiar phrase. Like you would say, yeah. well, R- Ronald Reagan was the, um, the, the something president and Bill Clinton was the something president and George W. Bush was the, like you hear that phrase, like, right. He's the, he's the peanut farmer president, or right, he right. was the, dep- <laughs> he was the, the great depression president or whatever. And then you have the Stetson president. You can totally imagine if, if, you know, George W. Bush was fond right. of going to his ranch in Midland, Texas and wearing a cowboy hat and clearing brush in an effort to look macho and powerful and, uh, and press friendly. And you could totally, I can totally imagine a very slightly alternate universe where he just became known as the Stetson president. That's like his thing, right? He was that they called him the Stetson president because he used to do this thing and blah, blah, blah. And so when you have a name, an actual name that's just that recalls a certain sort of common phrase or something that's used in uh, in the world that we live in but it's just a person <laughs> that, that's really wonderful <laughs> and then the the last thing the the last kind of name that we haven't gotten to yet is represented by the 10 seed which is green wicks unthank <laughs> so green wicks unthank it's it's the the color green middle name w-i-x and then the non-word unthank <laughs> right and that kind of name is i think we're all probably at this point familiar with things that you see on the internet or twitter where it's like i trained a bot to read right. you know 50 million <laughs> names and then generate its own names or whatever or like i i called up this old nintendo original nintendo video game from the 80s that had to make up names of ball players but because they were in japan and they didn't quite exactly get it right or they or they program their four bit computer to come up with like fake names and they're all hilarious and ridiculous that's what greenwick's unthank is it seems like a very primitive computer analyzed a phone book and then just spat out 10 million random names and came up somehow with greenwick's unthank and that i i actually think so wait stefan who won this 710 matchup i forget now uh rembrandt's beer poot oh Damn yeah. it. Yeah. That's too bad. Cause I think Greenwick's unthank deserves better than 
to be knocked out in the first round. It's it's a sneaky great uh, kind of a name that is underrepresented in most brackets. You totally can imagine your left fielder in in that old game being Greenwicks on Thank, right? Yeah, you're just you're just and you're just rooting for Greenwicks on Thank to to do. And I don't know. I guess. Jan six the eleventh maybe Jan six the eleventh if it was Jan six G you know if you did it that way then maybe then it could be like your your right fielder on that team but most of these names you're right would not work as an right. old video game yeah yeah Greenwich yeah. on Tank you, you maybe could, you could you could imagine Greenwicks on Thank having been on um uh, the 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 team in uh, the Great American Novel by Portnoy right. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> like playing left field green wicks on thank you can yeah. absolutely imagine that you know, but, he, was, but, a, I mean, he was a he was actually a federal judge wow fantastic yeah a federal judge in kentucky Go, you could see glee van loon in there as well though sure I, mean, I would think glee van loon could could, could yeah. get a thing all right so now i guess what we do is we predict, right? We got, I mean, with this point, I mean, Mike, you have to get on record here for predicting who do you think is going to be in the final four who's going to win it? Well, I think, I think, um, I mean, I'm not looking at the, the voting rounds right now. I'm just looking at the full bracket. So, right. uh, I think, I, I well, think what would be your final four? Well, oh boy. Okay. My final four. So we're just saying, what are our favorite names from yeah, each bracket? Yeah, right? right. Well, Dr. Reason Machete is my favorite from the first one that, sure. uh, for reasons I've already discussed. Um, from the Sithole Regional, uh, I mean, I loved Lowell Snor- Lowell Snorf the third. He's out. Um, Perfecto Cuervo is pretty great. Um, Cocaine Mothershed is pretty great. I guess I'll go. I'll say. Um, I mean, my favorite name I think is Lowell Snorf the third, but I'll go Perfecto Cuervo for the uh, Louis Tiant curveball uh, nickname reasons. Still very good. Um, in the Dragon Wagon, there's again, it's not my favorite. Um, I'll go with, um, <laughs> I'll, you know what? I, it, I mean, he's already out, but I think I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll pour one out for, um, for the normal name, two compound nouns, last <laughs> names of Steve Cakebread. <laughs> it's not, he's not flashy. You know, he was never going to win. He snuck in as a 15 seed. I get it. But I, I, I want, I want to just give some recognition to the elegance of Steve Cakebread. Sure. Uh, and then in the last one, in, in the in the uh, crotch angle again, already out. But I I think Greenwick's unthank is is my favorite. If I had to pick someone who might actually make it all the way through, is uh so is did Stets, Stetson President didn't win, right? No. Stetson President's no. out. Out. Uh, out. Man, this is tough. Jimberson Vapor. Him. He he won. All right, I'll I'll pick Jimberson Vapor, even though he'll probably get knocked out by Beanbag America. Yeah. I think. I mean, if you want to predict who's actually going all the way, Beanbag America is a good guess. Um, I would say, uh, um, who's the blue uh, or uh, who's the two seed? Booba Conoclasties or Rod McQuality? Those are those yeah. are you know. I wouldn't um, sleep on Cocaine Mothership. Yeah, I think that cocaine mothershed falls a little bit into that. Like, it's not dirty, but it like it's cocaine, so people are, I think, enticed by that. Um, but I, I'm I, Doctor Reason Machete is still in. I'm just gonna say I'm picking Doctor Reason Machete to go all the way because I think he's my favorite. I like it. All right, Stefan, who are your favorites in each of the brackets? Um, in the Bulltron is so hard. I mean, because I think Math Daniel Squirrel and Doctor Reason Machete is a legit final. Sure. In this tournament, yeah. and we yeah. had them one, two, and you know that's just how the uh, the seeding gods sometimes, the seeding rod gods 
sometimes fall. <laughs> um, I'll probably take Math Daniel Squirrel to the finals over okay. Dr. Reason Machete, but that's going to be a coin flip for me. Um, okay. In the uh, in the sit hole, I like Cocaine Mothershed. I mean, I think Rob McQuality, in spite of Mike's uh, opposition uh, to Mick names, is a, is a solid two seed there. Perfecto Cuervo could su- surprise some people. Um, but I, I think uh, for me, it's probably going to be Mothershed in the Dragon Wagon. Again, weakest bracket for sure. You know, I'm a little mad about the young guys and their 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 refusal to acknowledge Courvoisier Dingle. So I'm going to run <laughs> Dingle to the uh, to the final four out of the Dragon Wagon. And finally, down in the crotch tangle, the one and two are very strong. I mean, Beanbag America, the coldest Crawford, you cannot go wrong there. Um <laughs> With Jimberts and Vapor running a, a strong third, I'll probably gonna take uh, probably take America, my one seed, little chalk into the into the final four. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. All right, my my uh, I will go ahead and and uh, and and pick them too. I'll, in the in the Bultron Regional, I I do think Doctor Reason Machete is just is it's, I, I think it's the it's the best. It that's gonna be that's gonna be a bloodbath of a final. That's gonna be yeah. That's gonna yeah. be incredibly difficult uh i like perfecto cuervo a lot in in the in the sit hole region um i don't particularly like cocaine mothershed i like destiny guns better i'm i'm mm. sad that 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 was uh that was an upset uh in fact in in uh in uh defiance i am going to choose destiny gun as guns as my favorite uh in that <laughs> bracket but i don't care uh then in the yeah the I dragon wagon i'm just that, Joe. that's great you know what? I'm, in the Dragon Wagon, if he really goes by uh, Jet Lear as his name, then I'm going with Lear Jet de la Cruz. Like, like everything about that is is very, very funny. Although I do think Doctor Welcome Bender is is excellent. Pretty good. You can't, can't have more than one doctor, really, though. In the in the in the finals. Although it would be great to see Doctor Welcome Bender versus Doctor Reason Machete, I think. That would be, <laughs> Why can't you have more than one Doctor in the finals, Joe? I just, you know, I mean, it's it just feels uh, it feels like you want a little more uh, versatility there. You want a we little need more to honor, well, we need to honor our healthcare workers right now. That's right. That now true. more than ever, science and science yes. and medicine are are needed. So I I would be fine with that. I will say also too that Doctor Reason Machete versus Dr. Welcome Bender does feel like two very different doctors, right? It's like one is the scientific uh, reason machete and the other is the kind of like loosey goosey, like goes by his gut kind of guy, you know? You be you. Yeah. I would like that. I would like that. And then, uh, yeah, so, so good. I don't think that we truly uh, appreciated DeColdis Crawford. DeColdis is a really good name. It's like very Decold- good. Yeah, and and just having to play Crawford at the end is is very good. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with. I think. I mean, I think Beanbag America is gonna win that that bracket. Um, yeah, you know, Doctor Delight Champagne adding another doctor into the mix. You know, uh, pretty strong, pretty strong. Doctor Delight Champagne. Are any of these medical doctors? I would have mm. to check. I mean, we checked on yeah, you don't have to Welcome Bender. I don't think that's necessary. Um, DeColdis yeah. Crawford, by the way, we're going to enjoy DeColdis Crawford for many years to come. He's going to LSU to play football. Hey. Wow. 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 Good work, buddy. Go. Good work, DeColdis. Yeah. That, that, awesome. um, that, uh, that 215 Boltron regional original matchup of Reason Machete and Kaiser Pontoon, that really, like, that's like when the Clippers and Spurs 
<laughs> faced off in the first no. round of the playoffs yeah. that year, that yeah. incredible seven game series that Chris Paul won with the layup at the end. That was like that. That's that's the one of the best um, first round matchups I think this tournament has had in a long time. Yeah. I, I, and I, I say I, that not remembering any of the ones that <laughs> happened in any previous tournament. Back to our recency bias. That's right. <laughs> All right. I love it. Can I, I love it. So I think we... I said earlier, did I say earlier, by the way, that Portnoy, when I meant Philip Roth, I think I may have said You that. did. I was going to correct you, but um, but we all knew what you meant. You meant Philip Roth. You meant the guy who wrote Portnoy's complaint. We got it. Okay. <laughs> what, did, you, did you say Portnoy wrote it? I totally missed this. What I did think you, I what did. Yeah. Say, I think I did say yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Portnoy wrote it? Well, yeah. you know, it, it's from his... Thanks for your discretion, Mike. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> It's from his point of view. So I'm, you glad can, I can make my, I'm glad I can make myself look like an idiot rather than you making me look like an idiot. <laughs> it all works out in the end. All right. So there we go. We're through the, we're through the bracket. And uh, I've, I've got like a little surprise. And Stefan, I would love for you to join in with this as well. Mike and I have not plotted a draft for this for this week because uh because we knew that this was going to take up all our time but i i have a draft idea that you're just going to have to just do off the top of your head okay. uh with no preparation and stefan you were welcome to join in and this is literally i i i could not make this clearer this is literally the what comes right off the top of your head this is, okay. this is what we're doing we are drafting first baseball players that drunk come off the top of our heads that's that, <laughs> just literally that is the first player that that comes to mind when your name is called in the draft you have to say that player and then you don't have to defend it if you don't want to you can say whatever you want but it's literally just the first baseball player that comes to mind uh when your name is called so and i will go first because i'm springing this on you so just to get you in that mode trying to get baseball back in 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 the in the spirit of things. So I will start first. The name that came to mind when I thought of this draft um, was Frank Duffy. Frank Duffy was a shortstop for Cleveland in the uh, 1970s. Uh, he was not really very good. Uh, he, uh, he, he was, you know, I, I don't really even know what else to say about Frank Duffy other than he was, that's a good name. Frank Duffy. I think it's a good, it's a good baseball name. He uh, didn't really hit, and he he wasn't that great a fielder. But he had a you know like I'm gonna look here. I think he had a full yeah ten year career. Uh, hit 232 uh, with a 69 OPS plus. So that's not the best ever. Um, but he was the starting uh, shortstop for Cleveland throughout my entire childhood. So Frank Duffy is my pick. All right. All right. Mike. Um, first, there is a very weird thing. I don't think we've ever talked about this. This is a great draft topic. For some reason, there is one baseball player that is always the first baseball player I think of okay. anytime I think of baseball players in general, and that's Jamie Easterly. Do you remember Jamie Easterly? <laughs> sure, sure. Also a Cleveland. Also yeah, also Cleveland. a pitcher with Cleveland. So I think the reason that I think of him all the time, he was a, a very mediocre pitcher. 1987 was the absolute peak of my baseball card collecting. Sure. And I, um, I had a job watering plants for a neighbor who was uh, spending the summer on uh, vacation somewhere. And I got paid 20 bucks a week, which was a, a lot of money back then. It was a, and I, um, and it, I had to water them every day, twice a day. And then they had like these very delicate rose bushes and I had to water them in the morning. And then I had to water them at night and they paid me 20 bucks a week, which was a tremendous amount of money. And every, um, 
Friday, they would come back from where they were and they would give me 20 bucks and I would walk to the CVS in my hometown of West Hartford, Connecticut, and I would spend all $20 on Topps baseball cards, which at the time were 43 cents a pack or something. And so I have, I don't know, conservatively 4,000 1987 Topps baseball cards. Sure. And Jamie, so I have, I, that means I have, um, if I have 4,000 1987 Topps baseball cards, that means I have roughly 3,800 Jamie Easterlies. <laughs> And, um, and so Jamie Easterly in 1986 had a 764 ERA, sure. which is, was absurdly high. And I, so I, my friends and I used to always make fun of Jamie Easterly because it was like, how is this guy still pitching? The answer was he only hit pitched in like two more games after that. <laughs> and then he was out of the league. But I, I don't know why Jamie Easterly is so deeply buried in my psyche, but he is. And I think of him all the time. Um, and like way more often than I think of Wade Boggs or, or Dwight Evans or Jim Rice. I, uh, Jamie Easterly is, is like an integral part of my brain. The thing that's wonderful about Jamie Easterly is Jamie Easterly had a 13 year career and you look through it and you realize he was never good. Nope. Ever. Not like, not even one, like one year, like in 84, I guess he was three and one with a three thirty eight ERA and you know. 80, 80, 83, 84, he was, uh, and, and 81, he was actually <laughs> decent. Whips. Yeah. He, Look at those yeah. Whips, even those years, like his best year, like it was still a 1.5 whip, <laughs> 1.4. I mean, but he, but you know what? He, 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 he hung on, man. He hung on. He got a career. Excellent. Stefan, do you want to play? Sure. All right. First Nate baseball name that comes to mind. Well, I'm, your brain goes weird, right? And you had mentioned that you're doing a new series about the greatest moments in baseball. And I didn't ask you, but I was immediately thinking Bucky Dent better be on there. I'm not going to draft Bucky Dent. Uh, but when I think of like, and this is sort of like with, with Mike's anecdote, it's very personal. Like if you had, like you asked me who's the first baseball player I would think of and what comes to mind is a memory. And for me, that memory is the 1976 World Series between the Yankees and the Reds, <clears throat> I am 13 years old, and I go to one of the games, and Jim Mason hits a home run for the Yankees. It is the only home run that the Yankees hit in that four-game sweep that they lose to the Big Red Machine, and Jim Mason was a terrible player, and Jim Mason is one of those guys that you look at in a photograph and you think, how did these men play baseball and how did they hit a baseball 350 feet? He looked like he weighed about 175 pounds and stood about six, two. And we can of course confirm that by looking at his baseball reference page. But <laughs> is it, I mean, I'm just guessing, but I'm going to say that no, as I type right. here, that's right. yeah, no, I think that's about right. That's about right. Let's see. Yeah. Six two one eighty five. I was, I was, I'm sorry, Jim. Um, but Jim Mason was a terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible shortstop on some terrible, terrible Yankee teams that became good for the one season that he managed to stick around. That was his last year with the Yankees um, before they started winning World Series and making me very happy as a teenager. And I was miserable. He, uh, <clears throat> look, a nine-year career. All these guys are great. That guy yeah. that had these extended careers. Nine-year career. I always wondered, though, if you have a nine-year career in the big leagues, I mean, obviously, you're a great player. You, 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 you've reached the very essence. But I always wondered if, like, you're, like you look at your, your baseball reference page as, like, a nine-year veteran, and you see that your career war is minus 1.6 wins. Like, do you look and go, did I exist? Did I even, like, did, like, 
<laughs> I I was literally negative value to my team. That doesn't seem fair to me. So poor Jim Mason. Yeah. All right. My second well, maybe pick I'll sponsor, is maybe I'll sponsor his baseball reference page. That's there you go. He doesn't have a sponsor. Great idea. Yeah. The least you can do. That's what hey, I was going Hey, to Joe, it's John. I'm back. <laughs> hey, John. <look laughs> we, t- <laughs> we talked so long. He came back. <laughs> I, I heard Frank Duffy. I su- I support Frank Duffy because he was he misplayed the pop up in Game Three of the Boston Massacre, oh. Eckersley against Gidry. Yeah. Oh, so, yes. Yeah, Mike. Oh, I, thanks, I, for I thanks for coming back. Thanks for coming back, John. Well, John. sorry, sorry, you have to go again, John. <laughs> uh, we'll miss you. That's too bad. But we'll we're gonna mute you, and you should mute yourself, and you should uh, shut down your browser window and throw your computer <laughs> in the garbage. <laughs> Bye. uh john since you are back with us uh why don't you play along so we are just picking the first baseball player that comes to mind they were drafting uh the first baseball player that comes to mind uh you heard i took frank duffy uh obviously uh mike took jamie easterly i mean that was the obvious pick we all knew that was gonna happen that was coming and then stefan took like a yankee or something so who is uh what is which Yankee your, comes to your mind, John? Mike yeah. Lum. Mike Lum. Ooh. Yeah, that's a good one. That's... The only man ever to pinch hit for Hank Aaron. Wow. Great wow. trivia. That is good trivia. Mike Lum, the only man to ever pinch hit for so that was what in seventy like at the end in seventy yeah. six with the Braves? I no with the with the Braves. Oh, okay. All right. I'm hoping that it was like he he twisted his ankle, you know, in the field and and didn't want to bat. So they sent up Mike Lum. I I can't believe they did it because they thought Mike Lum would do better than Hank Aaron. Mike Lum had a good year in '73, wow. as I look at it. Two ninety four. May have been it. Yeah, hit sixteen homers, twenty six doubles, solid year. Best player selected so far, which is not what you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So my uh, second pick, I'm going to take Sisto Lascano uh, for exactly the reason that Mike took Jamie Easterly, which was when I collected baseball cards in 1978 or 79, I, uh, whenever I was, uh, you know, nine or, or, or 10 years old. Um, yeah. Nothing but Sisto Lascano cards. Just could not have gotten more Sisto Lascano cards. And which was kind of cool. Sisto Lascano actually, I think the year I got him, he was good. Like he, I think he had the all-star thing on his, or maybe the gold glove. I know he won like a gold glove or he had something on his card that like signified that he was like a pretty good player, uh, which he really was in 79. He hit 321 and slugged 573 kind of out of nowhere. And, and then never did anything like that ever again, or even come close. Um, but Cecil is kind of a pretty good player, but I'm only taking him because uh, I got 5,000 Cecil Escano cards uh, and uh, and was tired of them. All right, Mike, second pick. Uh, easy second pick for me. It's Davey Lopes. Um, sure. Davey Lopes uh, signed my glove. He was the autograph in my glove. Oh. Yeah. And, wow. um, and so he was like, I, so I got really, I love my glove. I still use it. I, it's now, uh, what is it? It's 35 or 36 years old. I still use it. I had it re, um, reconditioned a couple of years ago. I sent it to, uh, to the company in Minnesota that, that restrings gloves. 
and they put it, they patched it up and they, and I still use it to this day, but because he signed my glove, like I got really into him as a player. He was surprisingly, he was better than you remember. I think Um, he was very, very good. He was, uh, I also liked him because he was, he was only like five, eight or five, nine or something. Uh, And he still like, you know, was he hit 28 home runs uh, one year and um, he, he put together a really great career, but I just always identified with him because he was signed my glove. And because he then I, I was a, obviously a Red Sox fan, but I was also an Astros fan because uh, my, my family all lived in Houston. My mom's side of the family lived in Houston and he was on that 86 Astros team that should by all rights have beaten the Mets in the NLCS. And then, and I was, I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to have a Red Sox Astros world series. And then it all fell apart in like 40 different ways. But I was so happy that he played on that 86 team and I actually got to see him play. And you know, it's, he's like a, he's always going to be burned into my consciousness as my, as he's my glove. That's my glove guy. That's absolutely right. Terrific. Actually really a terrific. He's now the best player. He, he passed Mike Lom. Uh, <laughs> And Cecil Lascano, uh, terrific player. Um, of course, well known for you couldn't throw him out on the bases. Remember, he had that record uh, consecutive stolen base streak that was his for a while, and led uh, the league in steals twice. He yeah, hit seventy-seven I, stolen bases in yeah, the in nineteen seventy-five. I'm, I'm looking at that on his baseball reference page. Seventy-seven stolen bases, caught twelve times all year. By the way, yeah, and. But I'm looking at that. Doesn't that look like crazy out of date? Like you've you, like nobody, like if somebody stole 77 bases now, like the world would end. Nobody would yeah. have any idea what even to do with it. So excellent pick with Davey Lopes. All right, Stefan, what Yankee are you going to throw in us? I need now? to, I need to say, I need to follow up on Mike's pick with two things. One is I think of Davey Lopes and I always think of one thing, the New York, the New York times crossword puzzle had a baseball theme and they turned baseball names into full sentences. And Davey Lopes was one of the answers for the corner to corner across the board puzzle, across the board clues. And the answer is my, how Davey Lopes. <laughs> I like it. I yeah. like that it. is the Very first good. thing I think of whenever I hear Davey Lopes's name. The second thing is that Mike, I'm with you on the glove. Willie Stargell signed my glove and it is a, what you know, and I did. A, I wrote an essay about my glove because I still use mine, and I wrote an essay for a collection of baseball writing a few years ago. And my glove was originally. I did all the research. I talked to a guy at Rawlings. I ended up sending my battered glove to the glove designer at Rawlings, whose father was also a glove designer at Rawlings, and he repaired the glove for me. And I have since started playing softball again. So my glove is now broken in again to a satisfactory level. Um, So my glove is like the most important and probably oldest functional thing that I have in my life. Um, Me too. (laughs) And I love my glove, you know, with all respect to my, my wife and daughter, my glove is right up there. Um, (laughs) But for my, for my next pick, I've got two baseball cards on my desk that I'm looking at right now. One is Rusty Staub because we share a birthday. Sure. Uh, April 1st, Rusty Staub. Um, May he rest in peace. Happy birthday. And the other is a guy that I wrote about um, a long time ago for the Wall Street Journal. I went on a road trip with a baseball historian named Peter Morris, and we were in search of whether um, a a player named William Edward White was the first black player in baseball history. Um, Sabre had been doing this project to, to, to create biographies for every unknown player, every player that didn't have one. And William Edward White was on the list. And Peter is one of the greatest baseball researchers in the country. And by the way, also a former national Scrabble champion. Um, 
And Peter like called me up and said, we're doing this thing on trying to figure out if William Edward White was actually part black. Do you want to like go help me figure it out? And we went on a road trip together to like a dusty courthouse and we pulled out these files in Georgia and we discovered that yes, indeed, William Ed Edward White was one eighth black. He was the son of a slave who um, had a family with the slave owner. And I've written about White for the Wall Street Journal and a couple times for Slate in the last few years. And when I did the piece the last time, I, I also did a piece uh, for the for the Slate podcast for Hang Up and Listen about this guy, uh, Gummy Arts, who does these lovely baseball cards and was posting them online. And he drew a little baseball card of William Edward White for me, this little cartoon of William Edward White. So every year when somebody says that Jackie Robinson broke the color line or someone else broke the color line, I think of William Edward White. And sometimes I will post that, no, he was the first player. He played one game while he was a student at Brown University for the Providence Grays. Um, William Edward White, black, played for the Grays one game. Excellent. Excellent. All right. I'm, I'm just going to have to ask you one like clarification there. You said both that he was one eighth black and that he was the son of a slave. That yes. doesn't, those, that <clears throat> I don't get, I don't get the fraction there. If he's the son of a slave, how could he be only one eighth black? Well, he was, uh, maybe it's one quarter. Am I one quarter? It's one eighth actually. His mother was also a mulatto as they were known at the time. Right. So that was the word that was used to describe um, offspring of slaves and slave masters, slave owners. So her father was the white, I'm sorry, his father was the white slave owner. And as far as Peter and I were able to determine, they sent him north and his sister to get out of the South. And he passed as white for the rest of his life, as far as Peter's research was able to determine. So he was part black, but by the, by the law of the time, he was born a black man. He was born a slave in the South. All right. Man. I don't like um that's a lovely story but I think this is in danger of getting too meaningful. Yeah, yeah wait, you know, know what? I'll bring, I'll bring it back on my next one. Okay. And we don't we really we're trying not to to help anyone or educate anyone sorry. or make Apologies anyone's life better. He's sitting right and, at my been, desk though. What could I do? And we've been doing that for 20 years, so you know, you can't come in here and just start trying to bring meaning to this. Who stuff. the hell do you think you are <laughs> trying to <laughs> trying to make this interesting or meaningful <laughs> just stop as long as you stop i don't think it's too late all right john you're uh your second pick well you can count on me to bring it back down um there we go lee lacy oh lee lacy why like it in 1979 when i was trying to recreate the entire major league baseball season of 1978 in stratomatic baseball sure I made it through about 14 games for all the teams. And Lee Lacey, I had a very uh, complex uh, formula to calculate MVP points. Sure. And it Based on your performance as part of the winning team, there were six MVP points to be given out. <laughs> you had to, team had to win the game. And then it was arbitrarily decided by me uh, how that was divided up. You couldn't get more than three, couldn't get less than a half. And after all major league teams had played 14 games, the leading MVP candidate was Lee Lacey. Wow. Who wow. had one of these stratomatic cards that, based on relatively small sample size, was really overpowered. 
And uh, he was great. And in second place was the Seattle Mariners, Danny Meyer. Oh, sure. Who, who was sure. batting 818 at the time when my season ended. <laughs> would that would that have been a record if the season had lasted? <laughs> uh, he, if he qualified for at bats, he was he actually was nine for eleven, and I, I guess he had a couple of walks to qualify for the one, uh, you know, three point one uh, plate appearances per game played or something. Anyway, um, but uh, yeah, Lee Lacy's my guy. Okay, all right. I I don't really know what to add uh, to that. All right, with my third pick, uh, the name that comes to mind is uh, Mark Quinn. If you guys remember Mark Quinn, Mark Quinn played for the Royals in the uh, early 2000s, late 90s. I think he started in 99. Uh, there are two things that are great about Mark Quinn. One is that he hit two home runs in his first game uh, in the big leagues. And which, you know, at the time, the Royals, uh, much like today, were, were, were not very good. And, and so there was way, way overexcitement about Mark Quinn because he hit two home runs uh, in his first game. So there was this sense that he was going to be you know, Harmon Killebrew or something. And, and so that was very fun because he, he did not end up being uh, that good. Uh, but the second thing was in his second year, he went on a very long stretch and I don't know how many at bats it was, but a very, very long stretch uh, without taking a walk. And it, it started to become a thing. Like he was like more than a hundred plate appearances where he didn't take a walk and it just kept going and going and going. And finally, uh, he drew a walk and this is absolutely true. They shot off fireworks at the stadium when he, when he drew his walk, uh, which was delightful. Uh, the guy probably got fired for doing it, but, but it was still delightful, uh, in all ways. So that is the name that came to mind, uh, was Mark Quinn. All right. All right. So, uh, Mike, your third pick. So this third pick is a guy not, none of you has ever heard of in all likelihood. His name is Kurt Barclay. That name ring a bell for anybody? No, sir. Probably not. No. Okay. Kurt Kurt Barclay was a pitcher for the Giants, first New York and then San Francisco from 57 to 59. Sure. Uh, utterly uh, forgettable baseball player. But it, his story is part of my family's lore. Uh, so here's a, I'll, I'll do this as briefly as possible. My dad, when he was a kid, collected baseball cards. And in 1958, uh, back then you couldn't like buy a complete set of cards, right? So he just, bu- he did what I did in 87 and just bought tons of baseball cards and he had almost a complete set. Uh, uh, and including like, you know, he had 11 Willie Mazes and a bunch of, you know, whoever's Mickey Mantles and Ted Williams and everybody that you could have. And, um, and the only card he, he was assembled a complete set, except the only card he didn't have was a 1958 <laughs> Kurt Barclay card. And he just kept buying packs and packs and packs and packs. And he kept trying to trade with his friends and no one ever had it. And he became convinced that it didn't exist, that it was just like uh, uh, somehow there was a mistake and the Kurt Barclay didn't exist <laughs> and that there was no card. So jump ahead 30 years or so. Um, all of his old cards are in shoeboxes in the ceiling of his um, my grandparents' house, his parents' house in uh, southern Connecticut. And there's a uh, one day there's a fire in the attic of, uh, they were, they had a fire in the fireplace, uh, uh, something flew up the chimney, landed on the roof and, uh, caught fire to the roof and it burned down half of the house, including the attic and all of his baseball cards are gone. Uh, So my dad, so my dad is now, um, 
so th- that's in the early 80s. So my dad was in the Navy Reserve for 30 years. He made it all the way to captain um, and uh, went on active duty a lot. And he was on a reflagged Kuwaiti oil tanker in the Persian Gulf in 1986, I think, or 85, 86, somewhere like that. And uh, he's, t- he's telling this story uh, to a bunch of guys on the ship with him. And one of the guys goes, yeah, I remember Kurt Barkley. I had that card. And my dad goes, no, you didn't. And he goes, yeah, I remember it had a, it had a blue border or whatever. Yeah, I remember that card. Uh, if I, uh, when I, because this guy was a big card collector. He goes, yeah, I'll, uh, I'm pretty sure I, I had that card. My dad goes, no, you're, you're full of it. So like, <laughs> you know, they get off, they, they, he sails around in the Persian Gulf for a few months. The, uh, the, the active duty tour ends. He goes home. A couple months later, in the mail, he receives a 1958 Kurt Barkley <laughs> baseball card. Wow. And wow. so he so he went from having every, you know, 11 of every 58 card, except for Kurt Barkley, to only having a 1958 <laughs> Kurt Barkley card. And uh, he framed it and he hang, he it's hanging on the wall of his apartment uh, in Boston. And that story was like when I first started collecting cards, my dad told me that story. And I like the name Kurt Barclay is as deeply embedded in my brain as the name Jamie <laughs> Easterly is for, for, for very different reasons. In 1959, Kurt Barclay's uh, ERA was 54. Just, just, you know, there you go. Cause it was a third of an inning. He gave up five runs, but only two earned. So, <laughs> so it was bad luck. He was really, he should have, <laughs> He was really much better than the stats yeah, show. Or yeah. much worse, one or the other. He was, he was, poor Kurt Barclay. Wow, that's a great story. I love that story. All right, Stefan, who is your third pick? All right, I'm bringing it back. When John mentioned Lee Lacey, the first guy I thought of was Del Alston. Has anyone heard of Del Ooh, Alston? Absolutely. I don't think I have. Del Alston played from 77 to 80, three career home runs. 332 at-bats. He did not have much of a career, but Del Alston played a very important role in my life. 1977 World Series, Yankees-Dodgers. I'm at Yankee Stadium, got there very early to go to batting practice, and Dusty Baker is at the plate, and I'm standing down the left field line, and Dusty Baker hits a fucking rocket coming right at me. And for some reason, I think that maybe I can catch Dusty Baker's line drive using a program. Because, sure. you know, a program is a good thing to catch a, a baseball that's screaming at you 90 miles an hour. So I stuck my hand up with the program and it hits my hand and it hurt. And I go down and a guy comes walking over from the field and I'm standing like in the front, you know, second or third row. And I walk down to the, to the wall and this Yankee comes over and he puts a ball in my hand, in my left hand. And he says, squeeze this, you'll feel better. It was Del Alston. Wow. Oh, that rules. Very sweet. Yeah. Very sweet. There is one problem with Del Alston, however, as a pick. One of the many themes of uh, the podcast. Actually, we have no themes, but one of the things we talk about. (laughs) Unwritten rules? Oh, I'm I'm shocked that there are unwritten rules on the podcast. (laughs) One of the the things we talk about on the podcast is uh, Yankees that show up like play a huge role in the team's success and then disappear forever. And like Del Alston might be the first one. Like he just showed up in 77 as a 24 year old rookie and like hit 325 with a 500 slugging percentage for 22 games. And then that was it. I and mean, it was 40 at bats, but yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's with the Yankees. It doesn't matter. And, and then uh, he, uh, and then he was gone forever. Uh, like 
immediately after that. Yeah. But like, that's a big Yankee thing is perfect. Getting, yeah. It's a perfect Yankee thing. And of course they always used to, in those days they always ended up in Cleveland where, where that's how I knew Dell Alston was, uh, he played for Cleveland for, uh, for a couple of years, actually. Yeah. Um, Why aren't I surprised John, that you guys would take my heartwarming childhood story and turn it into an anti-Yankee story? Just saying. Story. Yeah. No, it's a Yankee story. We no. turn everything into an anti-Yankee <laughs> screed. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, It doesn't matter if it has any relevance to the Yankees. It's going to end up being an anti-Yankee screed. Oh, yeah. That's, a, we, that's all we do. That's our job. All right, John, uh, you're uh what is it? Third pick, fourth pick? Where are we? Third pick, I guess. Um, I'm going to go with Rico Cardi. Oh, there's another Clevelander. Rico was awesome. So in 1970, maybe, uh, my the very first baseball game I ever attended in person, my dad and I dropped my sister and my mom at LaGuardia Airport to go somewhere and went to across the street to Shea Stadium. Mets Braves. I remember two things. One, I was asked my dad, where are the names? Meaning when the players came up to bat, their their names always on TV came up <laughs> on the screen. Sure. So I asked him, where are the names? And uh, he explained to me that that was, um, that, that wasn't, it was just on TV. And, and, and I, I'm still wrestling with that one. Yes. But the other thing I remember I can't is believe Rico you didn't Cardi. say, like, let's create a Jumbotron. <laughs> and that was the birth of the Jumbotron. Yes. My dad, Jumbo Hawk. Uh, no, the, the, the other thing I remember um, is that Rico Cardi smashed one to right center. We were sitting around short right field in the box seats. And the ball hit the wall on a fly and you heard the ball hit the wall. And that was of course, something you would never hear on TV. Of course. And it, it was just amazing to me. And, and, and Rico went in standing to second base with a double. And I looked at him and that he was able to hit the ball so hard that it hit the wall 371 feet away and made a, a thud that loud that I could hear it in the stands. It's just like, wow, these guys are amazing. So Rico Cardi, always close to my heart. Love it. Well, that's, that's great. And Rico Cardi was a great player. I mean, Rico Cardi, the, you saw him in 70. That was the year he led the league with a 366 batting average. Um, one quick Rico Cardi story. Rico Cardi, you said he went in standing up in a second. Rico Cardi didn't slide. Uh, Rico Cardi refused to slide because he kept his wallet in his back pocket. <laughs> that is, that's fantastic. I did that not is, know that. There you go. There is a there is a little piece of Rico Cardi uh, trivia for you. Uh, that, wow, that, that is, is fantastic. Good. Other, right. other players at the time kept cocaine in their back pocket. Yeah, that's right. Rico Cardi. Rico, and they would ask him. They'd see me like, why? Why did you just leave it in the locker room? He's like, I'm not. I don't trust. I'm not doing that. So. All right. Uh, with my fourth pick, I am selecting, since everybody's going kind of personal, which is very nice, that made me think of Jack Brohammer. Jack Brohammer was the second baseman uh, when I was growing up in Cleveland for a little while. Uh, played around. The, he was he was on several teams. Uh, but I'm picking Jack, Bro, Jack Brohammer because I once had a catch with Jack Brohammer in the parking lot uh, after a game. I brought my glove 
and uh, people were uh, there weren't that many people uh, in the at the game, much less in the parking lot afterward. But Jack Brohammer was there, um, and for some reason, I mean, I was very young, and I don't, you know, some of this has become legend, I guess, uh, in the family. Um, in my memory, he was wearing his uniform, but I don't know why he would be in the parking lot wearing his uniform. <laughs> but somehow we knew it was Jack Brohammer, and I went over to ask him uh, for an autograph, I think. And uh, he said, oh, let's just play catch. And so I don't know how long it lasted, but I do know that I played catch in the parking lot with Jack Brohammer. So uh, so he is my number four pick. Great pick. Great Good pick. Um, my fourth pick is Izzy Alcantara. You guys know Izzy Alcantara? <laughs> Sure. Uh, Izzy Alcantara played for the Red Sox for a couple of years, 2000, 2001. I think he was briefly on the on the Braves or uh, I'm looking at Brewers in 2002. Um, he is the author of one of the greatest moments in baseball history, which is he was at AAA uh, Pawtucket. I don't know the circumstances that led up to it, but basically tensions were high. Uh, he was at bat and everyone in the world knew he was going to get hit with a pitch. I don't know why again, but it was everyone knew it was coming. So pitch comes in. I think it's high and tight. It might've hit him. I can't remember. Um, Izzy Alcantara revved up is going to charge the mound, but Izzy Alcantara has a plan you see. And his plan is I am not going to do the thing where I start to charge the mound and the catcher grabs me and holds me back. I'm going to take care of this problem with a new <laughs> innovation. Uh, and that innovation is this, the second the pitch it hits him or or is high and tight. He doesn't charge the mound. He turns around and back kicks the catcher in the chest and sends him sprawling backwards immediately and then charges the mound. It's one of the most brilliantly conceived and executed plans I have ever seen. It worked perfectly. I mean, you can watch it. It's, it was over July 4th weekend in my memory. And uh, it flew around the the early days of the internet. Like it was like if you had the Izzy Alcantara video, um, you were you were like uh, you were a very popular person. But you can watch it on YouTube. He the pitch comes in. He doesn't hesitate. He just turns around and absolutely sends the catcher sprawling. And I think <laughs> no, also knocking him into the ump, which takes out the ump as a guy who might hold him back, and then charges the mound. It is so the timing of it. You can watch it a thousand times and you will enjoy it every time you watch it. It's truly delightful. Wait, I mean, besides right the fact now. that it's also like, yeah, oh, that is brilliant. <laughs> yes, oh I know. God. I don't under, it took, it took the, it took baseball a hundred years oh for someone to innovate. <laughs> yeah. See? Yes. And, uh, and every time, um, I showed it to my son and every, when we're in the backyard and I'm throwing him wiffle balls, if I if I throw a high and tight pitch accidentally or hit him, he mimes Izzy Alcantara <laughs> kicking <laughs> kicking the catcher in the chest before then charging me and and trying to attack me. It's truly wonderful. I encourage everyone to watch it. It's like a karate kick. Yes, it's not it's, even like a back kick. It's like a like a full fledged karate kick. Well, it's like the 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 idea a plus and the execution a double plus. Like he executes, <laughs> he has a brilliant plan and he executes it absolutely flawlessly. It's really a joy to watch. I got to say though, I got to say uh the kick is great. Pretty weak once he gets to the mound though. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Forget forget what happens when he gets to the mound. It doesn't matter. The moment you're in in the you're in the Izzy Alcantara business for the kick. You're not in the Izzy Alcantara business for what happens after the kick. Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. All right, excellent, excellent, excellent pick. 
All right, uh, Stefan, your fourth pick. I'm going to surprise you, Mike, and pick Jim Rice for this pick, and I will tell you why. Um, I was, as you know, we're in nostalgia mode here, clearly, and so my brain is going back to all of my seminal moments. And this one, we are at um, with a bunch of friends, and we're probably 15. It must be 78, actually, and this may actually be one of the sweeps. Um, so 78, in the upper deck of Yankee Stadium, bored, silly teenagers, I fold a paper airplane out of a page of the scorebook. I throw it in the air. It goes down into left field. It hits Jim Ed Rice in the ass, and he puts it in his back pocket. <laughs> True story. Uh, that's wow. fantastic. Wow. Wow. You know, I cannot hear Jim Rice's name without thinking of that That there was a year that Jim Rice was highlighted. I'm sure he was highlighted more than once, but he was highlighted in the uh, Red Sox yearbook. You know, and they had one of those – where they did different players and then they would have a box where they asked them all sorts of questions. And, you know, the, the, who was your favorite player growing up and you know, this, this, and this. And the question for Jim Rice was, what was your, what is your greatest day in baseball? And his answer was every other Tuesday. It was payday. So I just thought that (laughs) feels, that feels very Jim Rice. All right. Uh, John, with your fourth pick, I'm going to go with Tim Foley. Oh, sure. Well, sure. Tim Foley, because at another Mets game, uh, we were sitting uh, in the stands and sitting a couple of seats away was a young man in a military uniform. This is 1971, probably. And uh, my dad started talking to him. And it turns out it was Tim Foley who was on the Mets, but was serving his military uh you know mandatory military service he was drafted sure and so he was on leave and uh he came to take in a ball game and the idea that in the world first of all we would fight wars and there oh wait we're not supposed to talk about meaningful things anyway it was really (laughs) cool to see uh tim foley in uh his military uniform when he wasn't allowed to play Major League Baseball because we had a draft and uh, we're fighting an illegal war. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was that was super close to meaningful, but I'm going to give it to you. You've sort of saved it there at <laughs> he, the end. He, edged right, he, he crept right up to the edge of I meaningfulness. I mean, to the very line. To the yeah. very line. But, All right, but, but no, that's... that's... I'm new. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with my fifth and final pick, I am selecting the big relief pitcher, Jim Kern. I I have told this Mm. story before. Uh, Jim Kern was a – he was actually good. Jim Kern, I I might have been in an all-star game or two, but uh, my Jim Kern story is that uh, when I was really young – uh, went to a game and, uh, and I saw these bunch of people. I didn't, I don't know that I even knew much about like how you go about getting an autograph or any of that, but I saw a bunch of kids gathered around and then I kind of gathered Then I'm like, Oh, what are they doing? And I was explained to me and my dad gave me uh, like a piece of paper and a pencil. And I went over to the group uh, and Jim Kern had like, shut it down. Like it was over. He was leaving. And I guess I started crying and Jim Kern came back 
It's like, oh, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. And he signed the piece of paper. And I was so excited. I had Jim Kern's autograph. And then I went um, back to my seat and I couldn't find it on the paper because he had written it in pencil. And like it literally was gone. It was it like he must have written it super lightly on the paper. So it was gone. There was no autograph on there. And so I was really upset. And uh the story goes on that years and years later, uh I wrote that in a column in the in the Kansas City Star. And then I I don't know how long it was, somebody knew Jim Kern, I guess. But in the mail, I got an autographed baseball from Jim Kern no. that said, quit crying, Jim Kern. Like, like when you're whining, when you're whining, Jim Kern, which was awesome. But there's one final segment to it. Uh, so I kept this baseball. I loved it. My quit your, quit your whining, uh, Jim Kern baseball that I would keep on my desk. It always reminded me it was awesome. And then my dog got a hold of the Jim Kern quit your crying baseball oh. and <laughs> tore it to shreds to absolutely to shreds. So I think I still have remnants of that Jim Kern quit your crying, but it, the fate has had it. So I do not get Jim Kern's autograph. That is basically what I've come to accept. So kind of sounds, kind of sounds like you're crying again. And I, I say, I'm, I'm crying <laughs> a little bit. I'm crying. Cause that, because the the quit your wine in baseball is pretty great, don't you think? I that's mean, wonderful. That's, yeah, yeah, that's a great. Yeah. So, all right, all right. Fifth my, pick. My fifth and final pick is Skip Lockwood, forgettable oh, sure. pitcher <laughs> from the seventies. Uh, really? Skip Lockwood. So it's also a baseball card related reason. The first year I collected cards was eighty one. Skip Lockwood uh, pitched for the Red Sox for one year, nineteen eighty. And Skip Lockwood, first of all, his when I got his, I remember the first baseball card rack pack I got. I, he he was the first card I saw. He was the first Red Sox I saw. And I was I was living in Wellesley, Massachusetts. I was already a Red Sox fan, and I was so happy to have a Red Sox baseball card. But Skip Lock, so Skip Lockwood immediately, like uh, you know, it it formed some kind of groove in my brain. And uh, Skip Lockwood, it turns out, is the most Massachusetts person of all time. Uh, he <laughs> he was born in in Roslindale, Massachusetts. He went to MIT. He's one of only like two or three people who ever went to MIT uh, and played um, Major League Baseball. He, uh, when he was approached by a scout uh, from the A's in like the in the '60s or something, they um, they offered him a contract for thirty five thousand dollars, and he said, "I just need to make one change," and he added a one in front of the thirty five. <laughs> <laughs> and which is the most Massachusetts thing to do just to be like, watch this tough guy. I, I demand $135,000. They paid him. Charlie Finley paid him. Uh, he never really panned out as a hitter. They changed into a pitcher and he became a, a you know, a mediocre pitcher, but uh, he, he was born in Rosendale, went to MIT. And most importantly, in terms of his, uh, his mass hole Enos, uh, he is an accomplished candle pin bowler. Which is absolute wow. most most Massachusetts possible thing to be is an accomplished candle pin bowler, um, and uh, he was uh, he was just, he was the first Red Sox baseball card I ever got. So I think about him all the time. And also, I really wanted I really wanted my name to be Skip Lockwood. I thought Skip oh, Lockwood was like the coolest possible name you could have. It's a great name. It's a great name. Um, two things about Skip Lockwood. One is he was good. Like in that in the mid mid seventies with the Mets, he was like. He was really good. I mean, like, like not. I guess he didn't make any All Star teams, but 
looking at his numbers, he could have, you know, he was, yeah. uh, you know, he, was, he, he had was, a couple of really good. good years there. Yeah. Yeah. But the second thing is I love that your first Red Sox card was Skip Lockwood in 1981 when he was done. Literally, he never <laughs> yeah. played again, ever. Yeah, he, that's that, right. Like, like, that's, that was, you, you caught him like after the end. It was, well, I, th- it was, I, th- I, I mean, he played for the, the pilots, the Seattle pilots, played for uh, the Brewers. He played for the Angels. He played for the Mets. And then I think because he was so deeply Massachusettsian, I think he like had to play for the Red Sox for one year. It was like someone, somebody somewhere was like, look, we got to get this guy in the Red Sox for one year. I know he's not any good anymore, but but it's, it would be a crying shame if an MIT graduate from Roslindale, who's an accomplished candle pin bowler, never played for the Red Sox. So they, they just threw him on the team for one year just to kind of check that box. Unquestionably the best player uh, in big league history that went to MIT. That's, nobody's even close. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, the other two guys only played like eight games combined. So there you go. Uh, greatest yeah. MIT MLB of all time, Skip Lockwood. Not even close. All right, Stefan, your fifth and final pick. Well, I've had uh, ball four on the brain because I wrote that piece for the unnamed temporary sports blog and I'm reading Mitchell Nathanson's biography. And I thought like, what's the first ball four name that comes to your mind when you think of the book? I mean, for me, It's usually Gary Bell because his nickname was Ding Dong. And when I first read Ball Four when I was 14, what's the thing that's funniest? You know, shit fuck, fuck shit, Joe Schultz and Gary Ding Dong Bell because he would get hit in the cup with with the ball. (laughs) But then I just sort of randomly opened the copy of Ball Four that's sitting on my desk just now. And my pick is going to be Sal the Barber Magley because Sal the Barber was the pitching coach for the Seattle Pilots in 1969 when Boughton was on the team and he wrote his diary of the season. And I happened to open to a page where Boughton gets demoted to the minors. And he says, and I'm just going to read this because it brings back so many wonderful memories. I suppose the man I'm most outraged at is Sal Magley, the screaming skull as he is being called because he looks like a character in a movie of the same name said the second really lucid thing to me that he has all spring. The first was, don't talk to the fans. And the second, Joe wants to see you in his office. (laughs) (laughs) Sal the Barber, my idol. Excellent. Fantastic. Very good. Sal Magley, very good. A great pitcher for a brief period of time. Asshole, great pitcher. I mean, they called. They, they didn't call him the barber because he liked giving people haircuts. Like, I mean, come on. All right, John, fifth and final pick, Mister Irrelevant of this draft. Yes, That's it right. is the Mister Irrelevant. There you go. Let's go with Alex Johnson. Sure, because the, I've got Cleveland in my heart, and he was the brother of Ron Johnson. The Giants running back that Steppen loved so much. Yeah, I did. And not as much as Tucker Frederick, but I liked Ron Johnson. He won a batting title in 1970. Look at that. (laughs) He also was supposedly a very, very, very difficult guy. Like that was that was like his reputation was being very difficult. But Hmm. he won a batting title. I did not know that. I just remember I had in the 1971 cards, it had, you know, the AL batting leaders from oh, 70, yeah. and in the top half was, a, you know, double-sized photo of Alex Johnson. And then 
the, the runners up were underneath him, the two runners up. And, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know anything about him other than he was Ron Johnson's brother. <laughs> he won batting title for Cleveland. And I will never forget him or the way he looked in that pose because that's, that's baseball. Yeah. It was not for Cleveland though, that he wanted, he wanted for California. For the California. Uh, yeah. He wanted for California. And the other two people on that card, uh, are Carl Yastrzemski and Tony Oliva. So, so he was not necessarily the best guy on that card, but, uh, but excellent pick. Excellent. Excellent pick. Could cup not cup of coffee with the throw. Yankees too. Oh, of course you have to bring it around to the Yankees. <laughs> My turn. <laughs> like, like that was any doubt that that was where it was going to end up. All I right. Just, I want to point out that, um, we scheduled this, uh, podcast for 9 a.m. and I have a conference call that I have to be on and they said can we do it at 10 30 and I said no probably not uh, we probably won't be done by then so let's do it at 11 and it's currently 10 55. No but, but but we're done we're getting we're you done. off the call you're the perfect time for your conference call so John Stefan thank you so much for for joining Lou this was such a blast thank you for being here delightful thank, thank you, you for having you guys us. Are wonderful. we love awesome you. There you go. Thank you. And uh, stay safe. You know, the, just try to try to I don't even know. Try to do what other than stay safe. Uh, Look at the right. name of the year bracket. That'll keep you safe and happy. That's right. Name of the year. Currently on unnamed temporary sports Soon to be somewhere else. Visit the Twitter handle at N.O.T.Y. What is it? N.O.T.Y. Turney. 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 Uh, and uh, and vote for everyone uh, you want to vote for. Thank you to you two for doing uh, truly God's work every, each and every year. <laughs> it's my favorite thing that happens every single year. And this year with no sports, it is, um, it's even more important. It's even more important than it usually is. Thank you, yes, thank you for Thank you for bringing us some Dr. Reason Machete to our <laughs> lives. I think that's, that's very good. And All right. Spreading the love. Mike, as always, thank you. Thanks for having me.